What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Dolphins In-Depth Podcast. I'm Daniel Yafusi. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we are back to continue our trip around the AFC East as we look at the Dolphins division rivals ahead of the starting training camp. Still got about a month till the Dolphins really kick off work for the 2022 season. But until then, we'll be checking in on their division rivals. Last week, uh, we talked to DJ BNMA about the New York Jets. And this week, we're going up north again to talk about the Buffalo Bills. And uh, to do that, we're bringing back an old friend of the show, Catherine Fitzgerald, who covers the Bills for the Buffalo News. Catherine, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be back. Now, most definitely, most definitely. So it's been a while since you were on the podcast. Uh, I remember when we last had you, uh, we were previewing the Dolphins' week two game against the Buffalo Bills. Um, I, I was very, very confident that the Bills or the Dolphins were going to get over, you know, that 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 demon with the Bills, uh, beat them for the first time in what seemed like forever. Uh, that prediction did not go well <laughs> to a fractured his ribs. And it, it was just the start of a really, really bad stretch for the Dolphins. Uh, since then, a lot has changed with the Dolphins. Uh, new coach, new offensive system, a lot of new players. Uh, not so much has changed for the Bills, who are still the Bills, the cream of the crop in the AFC East. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how both of these teams fare in 2022. And I want to start with Buffalo and, you know, like like I said, some some gutting playoff exits in previous years. Um, but they're back and they're one of, if not the favorite to uh, not only get to the Super Bowl, but win it. So as the team kind of, you know, has this little sabbatical as they leave offseason workouts and, and that LTAs and all of that, um, what, what, what is the vibe around the team, uh, you know, specifically overall? Yeah, I think they're trying really hard to not let those expectations seep in right now. Um, obviously, they know what they were capable of last year. I think they've moved past kind of how heartbreaking that end of the season was, but have tried to spin it forward of what are the things we need to do to make sure this doesn't happen again? Um, some of that from a roster standpoint, um, you know, we'll dive in a bit more about who they've added, what they did to address that, but then also just team-wise to kind of, you know, not letting it eat away at them and looking at it of, okay, here's what we need to adjust moving forward this season. They, of course, have heard some of what people are saying about them, but I think just really trying to compartmentalize it and not letting that get to be anything bigger than it should be. Yeah. And you mentioned some of the the several moves that they made. I, I want to start with a, a personnel move, you know, in, in the coaching ranks. Um, you know, Ken Dorsey, um, that's a name that's familiar to, to a lot of people in South Florida, former UM player. Um, he takes over previously as quarterbacks coach elevated to offensive coordinator for the bills after Brian Dable left to take the New York giants job. Um, you know, there, there is some, obviously some continuity there, uh, but how was Ken Dorsey overall kind of adjusted to this role as OC now? Yeah, I think he's adjusting well and continuity is such a big thing here. That was something the team emphasized in the hiring process. Um, it was something they always said was such a big factor for Brian Dable's success here of how much time he had to work with Josh Allen in this offense. So, you know, there were a lot of things that made Dorsey a good candidate here. He had Josh Allen's um, vouching for him, supporting him. But I think, again, continuity was so important to the coaches, to Brandon Bean, to the players. And so they're getting to see what that looks like now. Obviously, he's going to tweak some things, put his own wrinkles on the offense. But in even just the verbiage they're using, stuff like that, there's not as big a change that guys are adapting to. Um, I found it interesting, actually, that 
Josh Allen was mentioning, he still is adjusting to small things of just, you know, the voice obviously sounds a little different where yeah. sometimes different words will sound different. So they're sorting through tiny details like that, which is a testament to, you know, how far they already are along with continuing this offense to get it where it looked like at the end of last year. Yeah. I mean, you talk about continuity, like you said, not much is going to change, but you know, Ken Dorsey isn't Brian Dable. He's his own person. He might have, um, you know, views and, and a different outlook on how to go about certain things. I mean, um, from OTAs, mandatory minicamp, is there anything that kind of sticks out that, you know, might be different in terms of the personnel, the um, just, you know, maybe trying to be more balanced? I know that they did um, they did sign uh, OJ Howard, um, uh, you know, a nice pass catching tight end to kind of pair with Dawson Knox. I mean, might we see more two tight end sets? Are there anything that you think might be different from uh, from uh, Brian Dable? Yeah, well, Dawson Knox is lobbying for it already. Um, I found what he was saying during the end of minicamp to be really illuminating on that front of how he thinks there will be more 12 personnel, how he thinks OJ Howard can help on that front too. The bills were among the lowest, if not the lowest last year of using two tight ends. Um, so I think that's an area that we might see some changes, even if it's not, you know, all of a sudden they're using it super frequently, but Dawson Knox was saying how, you know, you're already starting to see some of those small things of just where guys are lining up, what exactly they're doing. So there will be differences for sure. Um, I think it's kind of more an evolving process than, you know, reshaping this offense entirely, if that makes sense, where Mm -hmm. Ken Dorsey has said things of, oh yeah, Brian Dable and I are very similar in this and that, but also this team has our core philosophies. They know what works on offense. Um, but any team in the NFL, you know, you got to mix things up to stay successful. So I think tight ends will be interesting to watch there for sure. Um, and then just seeing how Dorsey handles what this team does to balance pass game, run game. That was such a huge topic towards the end of last season of, you know, this team knows what they're capable of, of, of what Josh Allen can do, but they needed to get Devin Singletary a little more mixed in to be more effective. Um, And as he took off towards the end of last season, that's when the team was looking better too. So again, it's not going to flip things completely. They're not going to change their identity or anything like that, but just how do we make some minor tweaks to get this team to its full potential? Um, I think it's been interesting to hearing how Ken Dorsey has connected with the rest of the offense. You know, he's not coming in as a full stranger, but Even back in April, Stefan Diggs was telling us how I've got a great relationship with Doris. We make a joke every day. I'm already lobbying for what I want this offense to look like. And so I think that familiarity with players and Ken Dorsey, even if they were not in the quarterback room previously, um, it's helping kind of build that relationship already versus if someone were coming in completely new and, you know, trying to install their offense while getting to know guys and their preferences. So um, I think it'll be fun to see how that shapes the offense, but nothing drastic. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned there's not going to be a drastic change in philosophy on the offense side of the ball, because in Miami, there's a kind of a similar situation where Brian Flores is gone, but they keep Josh Boyer as defensive coordinator. They keep all 11 players that finished the season as starters. All those guys are returning. Um, You know, I've been, 
talking, I was talking to guys during the office and workout program and see, Hey, is there anything that might change? And they were like, Hey, I mean, if it, if it ain't broke, you don't really fix it. You might tweak it a bit, but you're not going to really overhaul, you know, that defense is still going to be aggressive. They're still going to blitz. They're going to play man coverage. So it is interesting to kind of see the, the similarities with those two sides of the ball. Um, and, and as we shift to the defense side of the ball, um, you know, I think that we can all say that the, uh, the bill's biggest move of the offseason was signing Von Miller, um, you know, the former Super Bowl MVP comes to Buffalo after, you know, winning a chip with Los Angeles. Um, he's seeking to kind of bring that championship pedigree to Buffalo as they try to get over the hump, hump. Um, short term or early on. What has been the Von Miller impact in Buffalo? Yeah, it's been interesting to see it kind of happening already. Um, the Bills, you know, have spoken a lot how there were kind of two reasons to bring him in. One, just his caliber of play alone. They think he can still compete at a really high level. They have said they think he can be the closer they need in these games that they haven't been able to finish. And that was, you know, a deliberate move during the offseason to how do we get a bit more of an edge here? Um, But they also, while they think he's going to make an impact right now, the idea that he's overlapping with these younger guys and he can make them better in the future by kind of instilling any knowledge he has. Um, It was really interesting Earlier in June, I was able to go to Las Vegas where he hosts his annual pass rush summit. And that's guys all around the NFL come in to learn from each other. He really tries to emphasize like, this is not just me telling you what to do. This is Chandler Jones will give his advice. I'll give mine. Like guys who are out of the league will come in to do this. But three of the younger guys from the Bills, Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, and AJ Epinesa were all there. And I think that's a really good testament to how Vaughn is already bonding with his teammates too. You know, he texted the group chat saying, guys, come out to Vegas. Like you're going to learn from this. You're going to get better on the field, but also we're going to get closer. We're going to have more of that, that chemistry and that, that level of trust too, both for, you know, the younger guys accepting, not accepting. They already really look up to Vaughn, but like, this is the guy I'm getting advice from. And now I know him on a personal level and Vaughn feeling a bit more comfortable giving it to um, that stood out to me a bit where he a few times has been like, no, I have to earn their trust. And, you know, his resume speaks for itself, yeah. in my opinion, but he's still been very adamant about, I can't just come in here and tell guys what to do. I need to have them see me put in the work. Um, so I think that's, you know, it's still early to see exactly how it will all translate to the field, but they came back from that and were like, oh yeah, I've already started adjusting this and that. I yeah. didn't realize I could tweak my game in this way, tweak my preparation that way. So I think there will be a lot of less direct or less tangible ways he helps this defense. But that's where you see those signs early on of coming in and being like, all right, let's all get better together in like 110 degrees in <laughs> Vegas in June. And then yeah. That's going to help us in December, in January. Yeah. I mean, this was already one of the best, if not the best defense. I mean, statistically, you could say the Bills were the best defense um, in the NFL last year. You know, they have a great secondary, um, you know, those young pass rushes, like you said, and, you know, adding Von Miller. I mean, I feel like it's it's a situation where they don't necessarily need him to be like peak, you know, Super Bowl 50 you know, Super Bowl MVP Von Miller, but um, just, you know, he, he's not going to be an every down player, but, you know, just 
like you said, being that closer, coming through in those high level situations where they need a need somebody to make a play. I mean, I'm sure they would have loved to have them late in the divisional playoff game, you know, before, uh, you know, the Tyree Kill magic and the Patrick Mahomes magic. But um, no, that's definitely going to be a big upgrade. I, I'm just I'm just glad for the Dolphins' sake that they, you know, upgraded the offensive line because we, we all saw it, it was not pretty for Tua last year. But uh, he's got Teron Armstead. He's got some new guys in there. So it's going to be an interesting matchup there. Um, is there anything else notable that kind of stood out to you from OTAs? I know that, um, you know, they have some rookies that are supposed to be some early impact guys. Kyrie Elam, uh, James Cook, who was a uh, who, who's a local guy as well. Any, anything else that stood out to you? Even Gabriel Davis. I mean, he's a guy who really, you know, had his coming out party in the divisional game. And it looks like um, he's going to be kind of prepped for a bigger role in 2022. Yeah, I think Gabe Davis will continue that trajectory. Um, he looked really solid from what we were able to watch in OTAs and mini camp. And he's another guy of just, you know, you hear all the offseason preparation and maybe it doesn't show up until late, late in Kansas City. Um, not that he didn't have big moments before, but to the level it did in that game, yeah. which was, you know, remarkable. Um, so I think seeing kind of him continue in this offense and, Again, how Dorsey uses everyone will be really interesting. They've revamped that wide receiver group a bit. Um, so I think just kind of seeing how that works out. Um, I don't think there should be a drop off, but just kind of, you know, as guys get more involved, um, Cole Beasley had a really good relationship with Josh Allen as far as kind of sometimes that security blanket of, I know I can find him, even if, you know, his numbers were a little lower in some categories last year. But I think. Now that they've got Isaiah McKenzie maybe taking on a bigger role there, brought in Jameson Crowder, just how quickly can this team get to be so that there's the chemistry is translating on the field as well. But yeah, you know, they're in a really solid place. Um, it's mostly just continuing it from last year. Um, so, yeah. Got you. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, they're, they're one of the, the favorites, if not the favorite to, to not only represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, but win it. Um, so they're going to be a, they're going to be a tough out for, for any team, let alone the Dolphins, who they have uh, really, really manhandled in recent years. And we're going to get to that on the other side of things. But before that, we're going to take a short break. But um, afterward, we're going to get into more about the Bills-Dolphins matchup and whether anybody can finally dethrone uh, the Bills in the AFC East. So stay locked with us. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh, today we're talking about the Buffalo Bills, and I'm still joined by Catherine Fitzgerald of the Buffalo News. 
Um, so we talked about, you know, kind of uh, the offseason takeaways from the Bills, Ken Dorsey, um, you know, taking over as OC, the Von Miller impact. And I, and I really want to kind of dive into, uh, you know, this Dolphins-Bills matchup specifically in this upcoming year. Um, but first, I'm just curious. I mean, there's so much talk about the Bills being this favorite in the NFL, the AFC. Um for somebody that's, you know, an insider that knows the team as well as you do, I mean, are there any any reason for concern, any maybe weak points of this Bills roster that's maybe being overlooked because they have Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and all this continuity? Yeah, I think the main thing we're kind of watching right now is when will Trey White be back? Um, yeah. You know, that's still a little to be determined. Um, the team has been saying that both he's on schedule to return, but also there's no timeline, which... <laughs> Feels a little paradoxical, yeah, but I think a little bit of a non-answer right there. <laughs> right. Uh, but mostly to say he hasn't had any setbacks, which is great news for him and for this team, but they also don't want to put a timeline on it and then him feel like he has to make it by a certain day if that's going to derail his rehab process. Um, everything we've heard, he's you know doing really well with that. Um, from you know, that injury, which was November of last year, Thanksgiving. So kind of seeing exactly when he'll be back um, is something to watch for sure, just particularly as his defense gears up. Um, But I think, you know, without saying exactly when he'll be back, that the team will, it won't be too late in the season. So the team will be able to navigate that for a bit. I think just kind of also how they deal with these expectations. Um, We touched on that a little before and they're not brand new for this team. You know, they've, the last few years, what they've accomplished has had them, more and more in that conversation. So, um, you know, while they're trying to ignore it as best they can, I wouldn't even categorize it as a concern necessarily, but just something to keep an eye on of this pressure is going to be on them from day one. Um, They're in the league season opener Thursday night against the defending champs and the Rams. Everyone's going to see real fast what they can do. Um, They've got all those primetime matchups as well against really high caliber team. So they, they're going to have that spotlight on them throughout the season. And I think they've generally responded pretty well to that, but just continuing that and starting kind of where they finished last year outside of the very ending of the game. Um, They had that weird stretch in the middle of the season last year of win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game. And they got it straightened out towards December into the playoffs. They really, you know, the overtime loss kind of takes away some of it, but they accomplished a lot in the playoffs of just how they were working together. And so as long as they can look more like that team than how they were in some of that October, November stretch, um, it seems like they figured out a lot within last season and just kind of how do we carry this over to the next year when we're also navigating a few things of slight tweaks coaching wise, personnel wise, and just, you know, start where we left off. Yeah, the Bills are an interesting case because I feel like um, it, it kind of reminds me of, um, you know, maybe like the, the Peyton Manning cult days where, um, you know, they they just kept on coming up short. Like they had the talent, they had one of the most talented teams, you know, year in and year out. But, you know, it was kind of given over that hump where that was like the Steelers or the Patriots, or whatever. And then, you know, there's that one year where they finally beat the Patriots and they go to the Super Bowl and then they win it all. And it just seems like they're, they're just it's just a steady progression. I mean, I, I don't think that they like skip steps. You know, they've they've kind of taken their lumps with the young quarterback. The young quarterback gets better. He becomes one of the best players in the league. And now it's just like, 
you gotta, you just gotta get over that hump. And, you know, I think that sometimes we kind of forget how hard it is to like win, especially, you know, in, in January and December. And it's like, sometimes you just need those little breaks. I mean, they unfortunately didn't get it in the playoff game last year where Tyree kill, you know, catches a, you know, a, a deep in and just goes all the way. And then they lose the, the, um, you know, the coin toss and, you know, we have all the talk about that. Um, but it's just, it just seems like maybe it's only a matter of time, you know, for Bills fans are hoping it's only a matter of time because um, they've seen, you know, older Bills fans have seen, you know, the the stretch of uh, Super Bowl appearances and, and not winning at all. But again, it just seems like the the steady progression of a, of a young team, um, you know, in the NFL. Does it kind of feel like that for you? Yeah, I think, you know, when you look at it from the outside of kind of how they're feeling, you mentioned the coin toss, like on the one hand, that makes it feel so cruel of just, well, what if this had gone the other way? What could this team have accomplished? But I think it also reiterates how close they were in a way that should motivate them. Um, you know, they know what they can do to your point of just sometimes another team gets under your skin or something. They've had that interesting relationship with Kansas city of obviously their season ending there twice in a row, but then also exercising some of those demons regular season last year. Yeah, obviously they, they that put doesn't a, matter. They put them on them, yeah. <laughs> Right. Obviously, though, if it doesn't happen in the playoffs, that loses a bit. Um, but I think just that still feels like a bit of a measuring stick, whether or not that's totally accurate. But um, that is kind of that was a factor in the Von Miller signing of, OK, how do we get, you know, just that final piece to get us across this hump? And so I think the way they've shaped their team has been delivered around that of what do we need to do when we are so close to get there, to get there now, but also not in a way of we're so all in this season that it derails the future of this team as well. Um, I think they've tried to balance that as best they can in a league where a lot goes into that. And Josh Allen obviously has a larger contract now, deservedly so. Um, but how do we build pieces around this team to be both able to do what we need now and continue into the future? So, mm. um, yeah, I think kind of balancing both use the end of last season as motivation, but don't let it tie down is where the team's mindset is at. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, as we look really specifically in the division, I think that you'll be pressed to find a lot of people, maybe outside of South, South Florida, I'll say outside of South Florida who don't think uh, the bills are going to win the AFC East. Um, but I think we're setting up for a very, very interesting year in the AFC East, um, because, again, you do have the Bills at the top, um, but it seems like that second spot behind them is kind of kind of vacant right now. Um, obviously, the Patriots finished second in the division. They made the playoffs last year, um, but there's some questions about the offensive moves they made using Josh McDaniels. Um, you know, the Jets are, you know, st still the Jets right now. You know, they've, they've had a nice offseason, but they're still the Jets until proven otherwise. And then you have the Dolphins, who have not had a lot of success in recent years against the Bills, but I think that roster-wise, they're as poised as any team in the division to, I don't want to say dethrone, knock off the Bills, but, you know, give them a run for their money. I have to check the schedule. I mean, they play the Bills week three. You mentioned Tredavious White may or may not be ready to go at that time. Um, I do think that on defense, it's been a weird kind of case study for the Dolphins because I feel like 
they have all the personnel to like give an athletic quarterback and a talented quarterback like Josh Allen trouble. I mean, they have the speed, they have the cornerbacks, they have the defensive line, but he just always has the number for some reason. Um, and then on offense, you finally add, you know, a lot of, a lot of role influx of talent with Tyree kill and Cedric Wilson and strong Armstead. Um, I mean, what have you thought about the dolphins moves? Um, and again, do, do you think that this is maybe a year where they can maybe challenge the, the bills uh, in the AFC East? Yeah, I was really interested to see what they did this offseason. Um, I think just kind of the way they attacked it through the free agency and then obviously the trade was really, you know, building with kind of guys who already know what they can bring to a team was interesting. Um, they finished the year so strong last year. So then to have that and build the roster this way, um, I think they're in a much better place than maybe some people would expect. Um, I still don't think that's going to be enough to knock the bills out by any means. Um, just considering what the bills were able to do as well. Um, it was interesting. I thought just to kind of watch the AFC as a whole of kind of the chess match of what everyone's doing in the off season of like, okay, well, if everyone's building up here, we'll do this. Um, I covered Chase Edmonds when I covered the Cardinals. So interested yeah. to see that addition too. But yeah, I thought the Dolphins just had, you know, a lot of moves that even if they were less splashy than the Tyree Kill edition, which is going to make them better very quickly. Um, they did a solid job of just kind of deliberately building their team. So while it's not necessarily going to be enough against the Bills, I don't think right away, um, it'll be interesting to see how these teams match up, um, particularly later in the season as well. I know that one comparison that a lot of Dolphins fans really like to make is um, kind of comparing the first two year uh, two year numbers from Josh Allen to a tongue about low and saying uh, pre and post Stefan <laughs> Diggs trade and saying, well, maybe Tyree kill is to a tongue about low Stefan Diggs. Maybe this <laughs> is the year he breaks out. Um, I mean, hey, if numbers wise, if Tua has any type of leap like Josh Allen did, I mean, the Dolphins are obviously going to be in a really, really good place. Um, people will kind of break those comments. They'll kind of kind of press pause on those comments by saying Tua isn't, you know, the athlete and have all the talent that Josh Allen does. Um but, but I don't know, something something about the first half of that second game, if, if you remember back on, I think it was Halloween, um, they're, they're, they're in Buffalo, um, and that was a dogfight the first half of the, of, of the game. I mean, the, the Bills offense was out of sorts. The Dolphins offense was actually kind of moving the ball fairly well. And then you have uh, that really weird ending to the first half where you have uh, Gasecki coming in motion, the snap hits him, and it's like they, they come away with no points where they could have had a field goal or a touchdown, and then everything just kind of like, just like fell apart there. But it, it's weird because if you look back on it, like that first half was kind of like the jump, jump start of like, I don't know. It was weird. Like that first half was kind of like the, the launching point of their eight game win streak as, as weird as that sounds. Um, just cause uh, I guess some of the, the confidence that they found on offense um, kind of what clicked on the defense kind of getting back. Um, and I don't know, like it's it's weird that the matchup has been this lopsided in recent years, because I think that obviously, you know, the Dolphins haven't been that great, you know, in recent years, 2019, 2020, they were a little bit better. Um, but I don't know, just something I just expected more of the matchup, especially last year, given the personnel and the offense was a mess. Um, but the defense, it just it just it was just weird to me that it was that 
one-sided you know Josh Allen is a great quarterback the Bills have a great offense um, but I definitely expected the the Dolphins defense to kind of put up more of a fight quote-unquote um, and I just have a, I just have a feeling that I mean I feel like I'm going early and I'm giving predictions but I, I feel like they're, they're gonna I, I have to think they're gonna get over the hump at least in one of these games and kind of like just 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 finally even the score because it's been so one-sided um, but it's gonna be interesting to see how that unfolds. Yeah, I mean, even just probability over that long of time, you think at one point it goes a different way. But to your point about kind of, you know, sometimes you figure things out in a game that you ultimately lose. The Bills saw that last season in Tampa Bay of, you know, stuff started to click, still fall short in overtime, but started their streak at the end of the season. So um, I think for both sides, it's kind of how do you continue that into a new year? Um, But yeah, I think should be more interesting matchups than kind of particularly how that first one looked last season, um, just based off what both teams have done here. Um, and, you know, the Bills obviously having that familiarity with Tyreek Hill too, um, not to say it's going to translate exactly to a new team, but just, you know, that's a guy they faced a lot. So yeah. how does that influence how they game plan and prepare for him too? Yeah, most definitely. Um, like I said, these two teams are going to see each other very soon or very soon into the season. Week three, Miami Gardens, Hard Rock Stadium. And uh, that, that'll be a real litmus test for, for the Dolphins. Can't say as much for the Bills because they're already kind of established. Uh, but we'll, we'll definitely see what type of team the Dolphins are uh, in, in week three. And I'm excited for that. Um, that brings us to the end of another edition of the Dolphins in that podcast. I want to thank Catherine so much for coming back on uh, to kind of give us some, some wisdom and some insight on uh the bills i'll see you in a couple months when you uh come down here for the game um but until then you know hope you enjoy the rest of your your little sabbatical <laughs> you know i Thank know you, yes. it's been a it's been a, it's been a long season for all of us so you definitely have to enjoy this uh this little period off you know what i'm saying yeah soaking in the buffalo summer as much as i can so appreciate that now nah, most definitely um we'll be back next week to wrap up our tour of the AFC East with the New England Patriots. Uh, Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, Until then, you guys take care. See ya.